Welcome to Almost Here, Around the Corner of Future Technology podcast with Richard Jacobs. Future technologies poised to transform our lives for better or worse are the focus of this podcast. Almost Here means these technologies are now here and starting to be used. We're just around the corner from Bitcoin to artificial intelligence, 3D printing, blockchain, virtual reality, and more. Hello, this is Richard Jacobs with the Future Tech Podcast. My guest is Jennifer Kent. She's a postdoctoral scholar in chemical engineering, and she's talking about the interface of silicon and organic materials, or you know, essentially incorporating silicon into living beings, which sounds crazy. So, uh, Jennifer, how are you doing? I'm good. How are you, Richard? Good, good. So tell me about uh, your work. It sounds very unusual. Yes, I, I currently work in Francis Arnold's lab at Caltech, and we are interested in engineering proteins to do things which nature has never done before. Um, and one of our recent inventions is to convince protein to put carbon and silicon together to form bonds, which is something um, living organisms have never done before. But we were able to convince the protein to do this in the bacterial cell, um, which is very, very exciting. Yeah, that's crazy. Um, so in nature, silicon never interacts with organic material? Or how does it work? That's right, yeah. Even though silicon is the second most abundant element on our planet, um, the silicon mostly exists as silicate or silica, um, which is found in, for example, on the beach or in the mountains. But um, the silicon-oxygen bond in silica is really strong. So maybe living organisms just never found a, um, the, the benefit to incorporate silicon into its native biochemistry. But we found that if we give life the opportunity, actually many proteins can do this chemistry. We just have to go and ask. Well, would be, um, this sounds like you'd be able to create true cyborgs with this. Sorry, I can't hear your question. Well, it sounds like this would actually, you might at some point in the future be able to integrate computer chips literally with the human body and make true cyborgs. Yeah. Yeah, we're still very far away from that. I think that that's a very interesting application in the in the future that we'll be very interested in. Well, what do you think the um, the benefits will be? You know, like I know in the in the short term, you're just trying to get a protein to bind with silicon. That's right. Yeah, in in our modern world, silicon is really one of the most important elements um, from the plastic or coatings that we often use in our daily life to computer chips, right? Silicon is really the core element that makes modern life possible. And now that we have uh, made the first small step to convince biology to utilize this element, I think there are a lot of interesting applications that we can envision for the future, um, starting from making, so building upon making carbon-silicon bond to making materials or even pharmaceuticals um, that could be useful for human beings. Why is it beneficial to bind carbon to silicon? Why, why, why would that help? Because a lot of the um, materials that we use to build our modern world relied on carbon-silicon bond um, as a crucial bond to make, these, um, to, to make it possible to make these materials. But because biology has never shown to be able to do this, up to now, we can't genetically program living organisms to make um, these useful things for us. But now that we have made the first step towards making this possible, we can then think about how to uh, program life to 
build upon this and generate complexity that we we have never been able able to to do before. Why do you think organisms? Well, all right. First of all, what happens when an organism is in the presence of silica? Does it just ignore it? Does it attack it? Yeah, it just it just ignore it. It um, as if the the silicon is not there before. Um, but chemically, silicon is very similar to carbon. So in in theory, we can convince um, living organisms to to utilize silicon, just like they they utilize carbon. But so far, well, what, what do you envision? Um, what do you envision would happen if an organism uses silicon? You know, the the properties of silicon are different from carbon. Maybe they're similar, but mm. different still. So, what do you think this would mean if you were able to use silicon in an organism? What would it do differently? So, so far from our experiments, we found that the bacteria they don't really care. So, we give them silane as a silicon food for them to make carbon-silicon bond. And they would make these bonds and split out the product um, without affecting the, the viability of the bacteria. So it just does what we ask it, ask it to do, um, and that's really it. Because, so what have you done um, so far? With, what have the bacteria done when they've taken up silicon? What do they do with it? They just take up the, um, they utilize the static material to make the silicon-containing product that we are interested in, and it was split out. Um, and it doesn't really interact with the product we ask it to make because the, the native biochemistry of these organisms are completely orthogonal to the chemistry we, we ask it to do. So the bacteria essentially ingests silica, breaks the bond, and then bonds the silica into a protein? Or what's happening with the bacteria? So the bacteria utilize a, a protein called cytochrome C, um, which is uh, a heme a protein that contains a chemical factor. And the bacteria would utilize this protein to make um, small molecules that contain silicon. So what, what kind of small molecules have you seen the bacteria making? And then what do you do with the small molecules? Well, you just study their properties or what do you do? Mm, usually in our experiments, we, we isolate the, um, the product that we're interested in, leaving the, the bacteria behind. Um, but in the future, we would like to be able to make silicon-containing molecules that would be of interest to the bacteria as well, so that we can gradually build up metabolic pathways um, and convince the, the bacteria to utilize this silicon-containing building blocks to make something that is uh, potentially useful for biology. But right now, we, we have only made the first step towards making these small molecules, and these are the proof-of-principles experiments. So what do you think are going to be some of the first useful things you can create with this interface? Yeah, some um, bioactive molecules, for example, contain silicon. So medicinal chemists have found that silicon uh, could be a useful element to tune the um, medicinal property of small molecules because of the similarity of silicon um, with carbon. So one avenue of interest is to think about using a bacteria to make silicon-containing drugs instead of um, doing it in a conventional way using chemical synthesis. Well, if you make a, a silicon-containing drug, again, what's the benefit of that? Why not? Why do that at all? What, how would it benefit an organism? Yeah, because using uh, bacteria to make what we, what we want is a lot better for the environment. Uh, we only need to feed sugar to these organisms, and they can grow and make the proteins catalytic that can be used 
to make the product that we want. Um, all the chemistry can be done in water under ambient conditions without relying on the use of toxic chemicals. So it's a, a much better way to make things uh, useful to us rather than relying on traditional um, chemical methods to make these molecules. Well, there are certain properties that silicon and carbon you know, hybrid compounds have that you think will be uniquely beneficial? Absolutely, yeah. And the silicon is a very unique element. Um, actually, every element on the periodic table has its own personality. I think once we can bring it into, into biology, there are so many interesting opportunities we can, we can explore. Any, any examples of uh, specific properties of silicon that you're hoping to exploit? Anything that you're identifying and focusing on first? Um, incorporating silicon into protein is another avenue we are, we are interested in. Um, this can potentially change the, the stability of a protein, for example, and affect how they behave in, in biology. Um, right now, um, very few experiments have been uh, carried out to study how silicon containing protein, what, what kind of properties silicon containing proteins might have. So if we can make this protein biologically, um, we might be able to, to begin to understand um, interesting properties of this protein that we, we have not discovered before. What is the particular protein that you bound silicon to and what's the function of it? Right now, we haven't identified a specific one yet, but this is something we are um, we're thinking about. Oh, so you haven't yet bound uh, silicon to a protein? Or you have? Or you, you, what stage are you at? Oh, we haven't yet. We still have to do more experiments to get us to, to get there. Um, for example, identified um, amino acid building blocks that contain silicon that is stable enough um, so that they could be incorporated into proteins. Um, so do you think the first best thing to do is to try to bond silicon with proteins? Or are there other um, elements that you'd want to bond it to? Would it be crazy at some point to bond it to DNA somehow? That is also that is also possible. Yeah, I mean there are so many biomolecules in, in living organisms that we can think of um, that can potentially what? interface with, with silicon. Are there any that jump out at you that you'd like to try first, or are there ones you think that'll be super difficult? You know, when you look at all the possible molecules out there, which ones seem to be the easiest that you want to try first? I think. Protein would be an obvious choice because um, they are really the, the workhorses in biology, right? Um, they are the machinery that enable so many interesting reactions possible in life. Um, so if we can incorporate silicon into, into these machineries, not only are we making just silicon-containing structures in biology, but we can think about how introducing a new element can change the functionality of these, of these um, living machineries. Can you tell what kind of uh, different properties a substance will have if you incorporate silicon into it, or you won't know until you actually do it? Yeah, we will have to do the experiments um, to figure it out. But it's good to have surprises in the horizon, I think. Um, not knowing how it would turn out is certainly something that motivates us to do these experiments. Well, I didn't know if you had, you know, theories or you could anticipate that if you can create a compound that includes silicon, because of silicon's properties, it's likely to have X, Y, Z properties. I don't know if you can postulate anything or is it going to be a total surprise and you just have no clue what will happen? Right. Um, for example, silicon can form um, 
bonds with oxygen and make uh, what is called silanol or, or siloxane. Um, and this, this connections could be um, flexible in, in aqueous media, um, which means this would give us a handle to um, reversibly make and form bonds and change um, the structure of a protein, for example, similar to disulfide bond, but um, is utilizing completely different different elements. Do you so think silicon can act as a bridge? Mm. Do you think silicon can act as a bridge to let you uh, bond to other elements that would never normally bond with uh, organisms that, that it would allow them to do? So not necessarily bonding with um, a completely di different elements, but to um, give us a handle to change the structure and dynamics of biomolecules in a way that might not be easy to achieve uh, using other elements currently available in biology. Are there any particular um, elements do you think that would make uh, you know that silicon would be a good bridge for to bond to an you know to an organic life form that would otherwise be impossible? Yeah, oxygen would be would be a good one because silicon and oxygen um, they're really good at forming bonds with each other. Well, what would be the benefit of bonding mm -hmm. oxygen to an organism? So you can think of it almost like um, almost like a zipper, which you can zip and unzip, um, as we will. And there are not so many different types of chemical bonds in biology that would allow us to do that. Would that ease um, to bring two parts or to bring two molecules together with tunable proximity? For example, it just seems most exciting and interesting and even scary that you may be able to actually bond, um, you know, let's say a person with a computer, literally, you know, instead of just having it as an implant, but make a, some sort of silicon bridge that uh, unites them to and unifies them. Yeah, I think that that's still um, only possible in, in scientific fiction, but it will be interesting to see whether that might be possible in the future. You never know. Well, now that you're getting close to doing your first interactions, you know, let's say with a protein, what do you think is going to be the timeline from here? What do you think you'll be able to accomplish in the next year and then maybe the next five or ten years? Where do you think things are going? Yeah, right now we are focusing on understanding the, the mechanism of how um, an engineered protein can bring carbon and silicon together to form bonds. And we hope that by um, gaining thorough mechanistic understanding of how this process works, we can then use it to, by gaining mechanistic insight into how this process works, we hope to um, extrapolate this knowledge and broaden the application of this, um, of this finding. But there's, so, there's still so much that we can do, and we hope that our invention would inspire other protein engineers and chemists and biologists to, to utilize this technology to um, to make what they think might be important so that we are not just the only one working on this. So what's on the roadmap for the next six months or a year for you? What are you working on? So um, let's see here. We recently published a, a paper on capturing the intermediate that is involved in um, making carbon silicon bond within a protein structure um, using X-ray crystallography, which is very exciting for us because now we we not only, um, because for now we can actually see what's happening in the protein, and we hope that um, in the next six months or so, we would um, be able to complete the story of how we think carbon-silicon bonds 
uh, could be made in, in a protein, um, and from then on, expand the, the applications of this of this mechanism. Well, very good. So what are some resources for listeners to find out more about what you're doing and communicate with the lab? Um, I think the the Arnold Group website is, uh, is a good place to start, where we have a list of all the publica- publications um, that we have, we have published so far uh, on this field. Um, I think that's a, yeah, that's a good place to start for, for the general audience. Frances also gave, okay. um, so she recently won the, the Nobel Prize. She also gave a, a Nobel lecture, uh, which touched upon this project. And I think she, um, her lecture is very accessible to the general public, and I would encourage um, those who are interested to check out her lectures while they are publicly available on, on YouTube, I believe, or the Nobel Prize website. What should they Google to find the lecture? What should they put in? They can search for a Nobel Prize chemistry lecture and then Francis Arnold. Okay. Well, very good. Well, Jennifer, mm. I appreciate you coming and you're working on some amazing stuff. I know it's super early, but uh, in the next few years, I know amazing things will be coming. So thank you for coming. No, we're very excited. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk with me. Um, it's a pleasure. You have been listening to Almost Here, Around the Corner Future Technology Podcast with Richard Jacobs. Subscribe to this podcast, post to review, to discover more future technologies that are poised to transform our lives for better or worse, such as Bitcoin, artificial intelligence, 3D printing, blockchain, virtual reality, and more.